1: What's up guys welcome into the OBR film breakdown this is going to be a late delivery but still nonetheless Tuesday July 11th I have Quincy Carrier on who you guys know he is a friend of the podcast on this side I go on his YouTube channel all the time as well Uh, one of the best out there doing it independent stuff that you know I, I think this is the future of where everything's going is you know you're just putting your content out your channel your place your security and I think Quincy's doing some of the best work at it so finally got a chance to link up. Uh anytime I can get a chance to link up with Quincy, we try to do that. We were on different schedules there for a minute, but we got it together. What's up, man?
2: Good, man. Finally, good just a long time since we talked. I think what it was the draft the last time we were able to uh, connect and, and talk about the Browns. Well, so I'm I excited, will say
1: man. You you made a great point off air of like there's just nothing to talk about. And I've said that so many times on this pod for the last month. We're just kind of coming up, just making up things to talk about. And that's again what we're gonna do today. But like this is what you said is like this is what it's like to be the Ravens and the Steelers, and this 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 boring time. There's no drama. The drama is nice when it gives you something to talk about, right? But uh, you know, maybe this 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 struggle right now pays off later, right? When they're winning games because they're normal for for a change.
2: I was looking back at like because I wanted some topics to talk about. I was like, well, what was I talking about last? year? And it was all like Deshaun Watson suspension, suspension, Baker Mayfield trade, and I'm like, oh, oh, there's just we're not dysfunctional yeah. right now. So, you know, in short term. It's harder to come up with topics, but uh, hopefully that means that the season is a little bit more functional um, than past that,
1: years. That, that, we'll take the struggle now for the payoff later. I think everybody would. So uh, <laughs> listen, let's dive into this. What I want to do is is I bring some folks on that I, I don't normally get all the time in the world with is. Uh, this camp is going to be weird. They're going to be in green and We're going to have less access than ever to what's going on there. But as notes are coming out from either beat guys that travel to site or the team site is like, what are you paying the most attention to? I talked the other day with Andrew Spade on my podcast about like, I, I can't stand Quincy, the conversation around positions that like players that don't matter. Like we'll have these, these avid Twitter debates about the seventh wide receiver. And like, why do we care? Like, I don't really care about those sorts of things. So I'm curious, like, is that something that you're – maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe maybe you do like paying attention to the seventh wide receiver or the, the tenth lineman or whatever, but is there anything at camp that you're like, I really want to focus in on what I hear around this player or this uh, side of the football or something of that nature?
2: Well, the back of the roster conversations, especially like going so hard about it during camp have always been hilarious to me because it's like – they, they, just because they make the final 53 does not even mean that they're going to be active on game day or even be on the 53 roster when it comes to game day, right? Like, these things are constantly in flux. People who make the team in uh, August usually can be cut by October um, with very little fanfare. I think I was having this conversation with somebody where, like, well, this guy is technically a better receiver than who I think will probably make the team if they keep seven. When I'm, I was talking about Anthony Schwartz and I was like, well, it's not about who's the best wide receiver once you get to the seventh guy. <laughs> like it's just about, um, who do they want to keep, you know, and it, there's more of an argument for them to keep somebody drafted versus somebody picked up a free agency a couple years ago. Um, so, you know, th- those conversations are always going to be there. But for me, what I want to see in camp, especially in the phase that the Browns are in is I want to see stuff from the young guys, the guys that, are developing, the guys that we want to see something out of. I have three names in particular when I'm talking about these young guys. David Bell's one, we've kind of forgotten about him. He kind of got lost in the shuffle last year. Um, and a lot of people are assuming he's going to get lost in the shuffle this year. But I do think that the addition of Elijah Moore, the ability for Elijah Moore to get downfield, stretch t- stretch the defense vertically um, on top of what you already have with Marquise Goodwin, could open up some stuff in David Bell's wheelhouse, which is more of that short to intermediate um, part of the field. So I think he'll be interesting to watch um, because with Donovan Peoples-Jones' future with this team kind of in question after this year, we don't know if he's going to get re-signed or not. I think David Bell's going to be somebody to watch for. And as you know, look, My favorite – everybody's favorite wide receiver on the NFL team is the dude who could just reliably come up with a third and seven. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, the reliable hands, good – like, he doesn't do much. Like, we love the Shard Higgins – over, disproportionately love Rashard Higgins when you looked at his production to why this city loved him part of why we loved him was like he he would come through on like third and 10 or third and seven or something like that and I think that's what David Bell could do um, now obviously it's going to be more Donovan Peoples Jones this year more Amari Cooper but I want to see if he's going to be looking like he's in a position to be able to take that role um, in camp he got injured last year early in camp never really caught back up let, I want to give him one more camp before I, I, I close the book on him. Jerome Ford's another interesting one. Even though it's a running back, it's hard to tell anything about a running back in training camp. So maybe the preseason games will be important, but he was impressive last year in the preseason. I remember like a couple of those, uh, the times he got the ball in his hand in space. Um, He, he was pretty impressive out there. Real nice burst real quick. who showed some real quickness, and I think he's very interesting there. on Winfrey, Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty intriguing, too, because he has just been a magnet for some of the weirdest stuff on the team. I guess every team has one, but he has been one very early in his career. Um, I think he's very talented. I think he has immense potential. I don't know if he's going to realize it, Um, but there's an opportunity here for him too, right? Now that they have a real veteran in the defensive tackle room, one of the things that I've taken issue with of how they built this defensive line over the last few years is that you're drafting a lot of young defensive tackles, but you have nobody there that is a respected voice to listen to in that room. Now you do with Dalvin Tomlinson, so maybe that helps um, some of these young players mature, some of these young players develop. Somebody's got to step up there because still we're talking about Dalvin Tomlinson and a big old question mark. Maybe Maurice Hurst takes that spot if he can stay healthy. Um, but Perrion Winfrey, you know, you could throw in Jordan Elliott or Siaki, you could, whichever young defensive tackle you want in there. I think they're going to all be interesting guys to watch. And just for my pure fun, I know he's not going to start year one, but Dewan Jones, because he's giant and he has like eight foot feet long arms, and I just want to see like how good he could be in just year one, um, given all the issues that people had with him in the pre-draft process.
1: Spending spinning off your offensive line stuff there. Getting feedback from people who are able to be there, watch it. I know we'll have somebody there from the OBR uh, that, that, that like how they're handling Watson, protecting him in the unique way. I think you would agree with me that like how the offensive line has to protect for Watson is completely different than it is for any quarterback that they've had in recent years. So they have to get used to almost playing like they're almost playing defense as a as a as a basketball defender, where you're essentially just trying to shuffle, stay guard and, and, and almost use their momentum against them. It's going to be different, but it's just going to be something that they really have to adjust to. So I think that's uh on top of those players you mentioned there, which are really well laid out. I think that's sort of a subplot that I hope that they can get better at, because, you know, as, as we have seen from Watson over the years, the ability to extend plays and create time for guys to get open is fantastic but if you're not used to that as a wide receiver or a lineman it takes a massive amount of adjustment so you want your quarterback to be playing on time all the time we get it they 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 shoot for that but what makes watson special is that he can play off off script and create time create space that's unique but you can't have guys quitting plays early and as we know there's a little bit of a propensity for some of these guys to quit plays early when we when we don't want that and i just noticed that like you know, if you go back and watch that hilarious scramble, the Washington play last year where he ended up throwing it to alignment, like, th- those guys were like, what is happening right now? Like, why on earth are we a- – like, what why are we blocking this? Like, th- this play should not still be happening. According to what we're accustomed to, this play should not still be happening. So, I, I just – I think that'll be really interesting to see how that, that sort of the reports of that are going because we won't get a ton of video, but the reports of that look and uh, sort of how they're able to capitalize and make positives around a play doesn't work and you still create positives, you know what I mean? Because that's something that they need. That Kevin does a good job of giving them answers within a scheme, but we need them to be able to find answers when ta- when things are taken away. And I think that's what launches the offense to another.
2: Yeah, and I think with Deshaun, it's a unique case with people like – because. You have to see it to believe how hard he is to tackle. Um, yeah. because he doesn't look like he, he's not a small guy. He, he's a pretty big guy, like to average people's standards, but like to NFL quarterback, like he's not Josh Allen size. He's not he's Cam Newton size. Yeah. You know, he, he, he's not super tall. He's not like super giant. Like he doesn't look like a defensive end out there when he plays quarterback. He looks like a quarterback, but he will bounce off of two defensive ends, stay on his feet and act like nothing happened. Um, On a routine basis, I think just in the six games, there's like three examples of this um, where he was able to just stay on his feet kind of miraculously. And I think for those wide receivers, I think they were like, you know about it. You've seen the highlights, but you don't really believe that's what it's actually like with them. And then it happens and you're like, oh. Okay, I just have to treat this like he he's much bigger than he is because he's just hard to tackle for whatever reason. Yep. Um, and I think that kind of caught people off guard because you don't you imagine Deshaun Watson being hard to tackle because he's athletic or because he's quick or something like that. But he's just legitimately hard to bring down. I can't even really explain it, but there's been plenty of defensive ends have tried and they'll they'll even tell you, you know, he he's one of the hardest guys to get down.
1: Yeah, wiry, strong type of guy who can keep you those long arms can kind of keep the, the, the wrap up from happening and all of that. So, yeah, it's a great point. And I think that that's something that uh, is not and it's probably not discussed enough. It's his ability to extend and, and, and create missed tackles off of that. So um, he <laughs> got criticized for it. <laughs> did. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I, I Listen, I'm interested in it. I think he's going to be he's going to be so compelling when he's comfortable and what it looks like for him. Uh, You know, creating off of some of the structure with guys that are comfortable getting off structure, you know, with him and being able to know where he's going to go. It's got a chance to be really electric stuff. So, all right, we're going to take a quick break, come back, and then after break, we're going to talk about a couple camp names that we are going to be paying attention into this year and potentially guys who are up or down. So, we'll be right back.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
3: Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
1: I want to do a little exercise kind of far removed from the season still where we project or predict, uh, as as I can't say that word clearly, um, like sort of the, every year there is, and, the, and we were talking off air, Demarius Randle's an example, John Johnson, unfortunately safeties are sort of falling into that category a little too often, but they're also like guys who come out of nowhere and establish a name for themselves, make, make them, you know, a guy who you could pay close attention to, or maybe see them coming back and you didn't expect that to be a core part of the team. Think back to a wide receiver situation. I cannot think I told you off air. I couldn't think of Demarius Randle. Now I'm thinking of the, the cast off from, I think he was with Baltimore originally had a nice little run as a speed threat on the outside he went down to tampa bay oh
2: oh but shot Parriman,
1: paraman, yeah so like these are guys so we're sort of looking on both sides of the ball to predict somebody who maybe isn't a core part of this thing when you think about it but is in the future and then somebody who you're thinking is going to be great and then maybe you think that they're not going to be as good as we think they are and they're going to kind of fall down the totem pole so Uh, we'll go back and forth. I'll let Quincy do his, and then I'll do mine. And then we'll try to do one up and and down on each side of the ball. So I'll let you lead off with a player on offense you think is going to sort of establish himself.
2: I think Elijah Moore is a safe bet for that. Um, I look at some of the stuff that he does well, right? Um, Some of the routes that he runs well, where they're at at the part of the field. And I think that this is a great fit for him. Like I can't, I can't help but feel like it's just a a massively great fit. Um, I think Deshaun, can throw the ball very well in those areas where I think Elijah Moore is going to really want to hit. Also another thing to consider the Browns have like averaged what 2.9 seconds of pocket time the last three years, including even with Deshaun Watson, that's going to give a guy like Elijah Moore who, you know, likes to attack the deep parts of field a little bit more time to get open and a little bit more opportunities to get targets. So I think he's really going to have, um, a massive opportunity here. And I think the fit is right. Um, athletically, he's pretty good. Um, and I just keep watching him, the tape of him in New York. And I'm like, how did they just like decide there was nothing they could do with him? <laughs> but yeah. uh, it's, it, I guess they, re- they also needed a, a quarterback upgrade and I they needed, needed the Brown second round pick in order to do that. Um, or at least part of that. And Elijah Moore was part of that deal. So it's, He's one of those guys I'm fascinated with. And I think uh, I wouldn't go as far as like he's going to be the highest, um, he's going to be the leading receiver on the team or anything like that. But I do think he's going to have a chance here uh, to really establish himself as one of the better young receivers in the NFL. All
1: right. I'm going to go a little bit, uh, probably something people might not agree with me. I'm going to say Jedrick Wills. He has, I think he's going to have a nice year. I think he's going to be in the contracts. He knows that if he wants to get extended, In between your fourth and fifth year, I think he's going to have a bounce back year in a big way. And a lot of people who are off of him, want to move on, didn't think his fifth year was worth it, whatever, whatever, will be singing a different tune by the end of the season when he has a pretty good year and puts himself into sort of a a much higher echelon of tackle that people are happy they picked up that option. And potentially they talk about finding a way to keep him around. So I'll go Jedrick Wills. A bit controversial there. I don't think many people would pick that one.
2: My belief with Jedrick Wills is that he is somebody who you just can't have on losing teams. Like if you have him on a winning team, he will be fine and very be very good for you. Um, but a lot of stuff that you see that like it's come up in the last two years, it was there a little bit in 2020, but it's really come up in the last few years. And it's like, oh, it's when the teams won like seven or eight games. Some guys are just better on, on teams that win more because that's kind of what motivates them is – the ability to win every game. And I think now that his team's at that level, it's an interesting kind of catch 22 that you put yourself in because if he does play well with Jed, it's like, well, what do you do with that? Do you keep him? What do you think about if he's not a good player um, when when you're not winning? But if
1: you're not winning, you're not
2: winning. So it's just.
1: I heard somebody say that recently about, uh, I think that it was on Rasillo's podcast, Kevin Clark. I think he had the ringers NFL guy on and he was like, Hey, man, these these issues in locker rooms are everywhere, whether you want to believe it or not. Most of them are kept private. Issues in locker rooms are everywhere. The guy there are just some guys who can't handle losing. They just can't their personality, their maturity. They can't handle losing. So to your point, Jedrick is probably one of those guys coming from Alabama. Can't handle the tumultuous nature of the NFL at times. Maybe he grows into that. Maybe gets better. But I do think they're going to win games and put that on a better path this year. So hopefully that uh like I said, I'm predicting it gets rectified. We'll hope that it goes that way. So now we're doing guys who are down, like we think are are guys that the Browns are counting on pretty highly this year, but we think after the year it's going to be like, eh, don't see him as a core part of the offense anymore. Potentially a guy they move on from.
2: I think I'm gonna have to be controversial here now, Jake. I'm putting Donovan Peoples Jones here. Um I just worry about where his targets are going to be and how often he's going to get these targets. And if teams are going to catch up to kind of what he does there um, as a wide receiver, because he's pretty like, I don't know. My, my biggest issue with him is that he cause comes out of his break so slow. Sometimes he's just not on time. Um, and in a lot of the diving stuff that you see him do, it's kind of out of necessity because he's late for stuff. And I think sometimes people think he's like a 50-50 ball guy. He's just not. He's never been that. Um, and he's been inconsistent. I worry that the increase of a presence of not just Amari Cooper but Elijah Moore who do stuff really well in Deshaun Watson's wheelhouse. That'll lead to them getting more targets, leaving DPJ with less? How does he handle that? Um, and, you know, there might be an emergence of a Cedric Tillman or a David Bell or something like that during the season. Like, is there a possibility that Donovan Peoples-Jones can be lost in the shuffle? I think it's more than a lot of people want to realize here. Um, and I think that a lot of people are expecting him to kind of improve off of last year. And I wonder if that's going to be the case with him.
1: That's a good one. That's a good one. I think we've all talked about a little bit of how his target share goes down. Some, um, you know, there's, there's some, there's some key parts of this offense that you could predict. I think there's a world in which you can predict. Nick has a bit of a setback and you start to say, okay, maybe they move on from him. I'm not doing that. I'm not here to give that prediction. I think you could also say the same could happen for David and Joku, who has not been able to mm. maintain health His contract structured in a way that they're not tied to it much past this year. So is he take a step back? I again they they signed Jordan Akins. Does that cut into his tight end share a little bit? I'm just saying that's a possibility. I'm not going to go through either of those. I'm actually going to go with the one that should be pretty predictable. That's why Teller. He is under a long longer-term structure deal. They they do have a way they can get out of it. I think that he's a good football player, been slightly overrated by a hot streak in his career with the Browns, inconsistent, does not handle playing the game well when injured, which is a difficult thing, but you have to be able to manage and keep a high level of play when you're, when you're hurt because you're so often hurt in the NFL. So you have to be able to handle that in some way, shape or form. So I think that to me, Teller makes the most sense as far as a guy who's viewed as a core player right now, after the season, they're looking to move him in some way, shape or form. So he's a, he's a pretty easy low hanging fruit one there, but I think it's safest uh if, if going away from donovan which you did well i, I think it's uh, the one that makes the most sense so let's switch to defense now where i think there's there's plenty of candidates for both of these i'll let you go first
2: all right we're going with the up first
1: we'll go with the up first so a guy is not really being counted on right now but at like think martin emerson mm. where he didn't have a role going into last year got an opportunity found a way to make the most of that opportunity now he's a core guy so that's what we're looking to figure out
2: okay um Well, I have JLK down. I don't know if that's that's qualifies, but I think people are a little bit down on him after a a bad year last year. I think there there are multiple things you can point to on why JLK just did not perform last year, right? Off the field stuff, Mm -hmm. on the field stuff when it comes to the lack of defensive line play that we're getting. I think the upgrade of the defensive line is going to be helpful to him. I think he's going to be allowed to kind of do the things that he did well his rookie year and have the space to do it. Um, when he's not constantly getting a guard to the second level, um, I think he's going to be able to to execute a lot better. So I would go JLK there for my up. I just think he's going to be much better uh, with the better supporting cast around him and with some uh with some good mentorship around him as well.
1: I think that's a fair one. I would say uh, if I'm looking at. Just sort of players who are on the fringe, uh, important positions. Um, I think Alex Wright has got a chance to to be a multi alignment player. Who coming off of a rough rookie year, where people are trying to replace him, I think he's going to have enough flashes where people are going to see him as a vital piece of this going forward. I think that one of these guys has to take that step up front. Uh, you, you know, they don't have to, so it could be a disaster. But I would like to think that one of these young guys, he's the one who stands out to me the most as far as a guy who can play inside. They could potentially use him as a D tackle, especially in Russ situations, but also have him playing some true edge stuff. And I think that the competition around him will push him in the right direction. Uh, It's a bit, uh, it's a bit out there. I don't think this one comes with very, uh, you know, much safety. It would be a very high bet in terms of like the plus side of things here. I get a lot of, I get a lot of uh, money against my bet, but I, I feel like Alex Wright is, is of the young guys on that defensive line. The one I feel most comfortable with saying has a chance to make enough plays, break out plays, uh, create enough chaos that he's a part of the future where they end up letting some other piece go. Jordan Elliott contract runs out. Some of these others, they feel like they can use him as a, as a key cog. If maybe even they don't have the, the means to keep Zadarius Smith around long-term, they're looking for one of these guys to step up and anchor a, a multifaceted role there. So I'll say Alex, right. So a uh, guy that now we're looking at guys that are on the, the core parts of this on the outside now but again uh, after the year we're like eh, could they move on from that type of player that's that's what we're looking at here on defense go ahead
2: yeah but just on your Alex Wright one I think that's a really good choice I also think are we we're gonna pretty much like in the next few years have to come up with like more names for some of these positions at the edge because a guy like Agbo he doesn't really play the same position the Alex Wright plays. Um, Agreed. yeah. So it's, I it wonder when we're going to come up with a new classification for these guys. I think we've been struggling to keep up with the edge development over the last 10 years. Um, yeah. they don't like,
1: even label all of them. They just put them as DNs. Yeah. Or DN. Of- we still got yeah. places like
2: calling them outside linebackers and three, fours. And it's like, just call them edge. And it's, we, we, we got a lot to figure out there when it comes to classification. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would go, um, on my down arrow, Denzel Ward. I no, am. Bad choice. I am concerned. I talk a lot um, about. Hey, I think the expectations for this defense should be to be. Decent to be good to be in the middle of the pack this year, um, just because they're not gonna like they're talented, but they're not gonna just forget everything that they were doing under Joe Woods. Like that stuff's not just gonna wash away because uh Jim Schwartz walked into the building and and told him not to do it no more, right? Like that's gonna still happen. And the person I saw the most bad habits with (laughs) that accumulate the most bad habits under Joe Woods I mean, it was between him or John Johnson. John Johnson's not here anymore, Denzel Ward. I mean, like it was they got to the point where like they couldn't run cover two (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. um that's not gonna go away i think he has those bad habits there um now hopefully it's just something that pops up every once in a while and it's not something that kills us but i'm really worried um in a system where he's gonna be playing more man where he's gonna be relied on a little bit more heavily is he gonna get exposed there a little bit more often because he he's taking bats bad choice. He's making bad choices. He's taking um, bad guesses on things, you know. He's being a little bit too aggressive. He he's just learned to be more aggressive over the last few years, and that's something that hurts him. Um I worry about that. And when I think about this secondary, that's the guy who I'm like If somebody's going to struggle in man that we don't expect to struggle in man because of everything that's happened in the last three years, I don't think it's going to be Greg. I think the issues with Greg last year were just about the position change. Uh, Martin was fine last year and how he played. But Denzel's the one where you're like, oh, boy, I'm concerned (laughs) because he hasn't (laughs) been consistent on the last two years. When he's been good, he's been great, but it still hasn't been consistent over the last two years. And last year was very concerning. I think we were able to throw a lot of that on Joe Woods, and rightfully so. But I don't think all of that was Joe Woods. I think a lot of that was Denzel Ward, too, as well. So it's going to be a huge year for him to prove that he can bounce back. But I could see us at the end of the year going, and we got Martin and we got Greg, (laughs) you know what I mean, and trying to figure out what we're going to do with Denzel.
1: Yeah, I actually think there's a chance. (laughs) I think you're going on the the high side of – JOK, I think there's a chance mm. that we're having a different discussion about him after the year. I, I, If I had to pick one, because I think Denzel's an interesting choice, I think there's a chance that people end up liking Rodney McLeod and Juan Thorhill more than Grant Delpit, where Grant kind of falls out of favor. Not that he has a bad year, but he kind of falls out of favor. I, I'm not sitting here saying JOK is going to have a bad season. He's going to be a disaster or anything. I'm just saying, I think there's a there's a way in which he, his, his limitations in body size and lack of creating explosive plays so far leads to people in the organization itself saying a second contract is a little dicier than we thought it was going to be. The injuries have happened two straight years. Hmm. There's, there's, the, there's, the, there's that side of it. Teams, I, I, I talked about this maybe earlier this week or last week about JOK's like teams got film on him from year one and started to figure out how he was defeating blocks and did a much better job on him. This past season when he was out there playing and that led to a decreased run production, uh, run defense production structure. So like, you know, it's just like quarterbacks teams get enough film on you or any other position. They say this is what he likes to do against a double team. This is what he likes to do against, you know, when we scrape or climb or whatever, like they figured it out. Now, for him, the challenge is how do I figure out what they figured out? How do I beat that? Now, the structure, the defense changing, the, the voice running it. All that happening could could be different. Like they're asking clearly, if you listen to Jason Tarver, they're asking the defense to play a different way. Linebackers, that is. So maybe this change, the aggressiveness, sort of how they're there to fix the aggressiveness up front and be the fallback guys and help clean up the chaos that the front creates. Maybe that helps him. But I think he's one of the ultimate boomer bust prospects this year, where we're like at the end of the year, you're right. Where Jok had a great year. Let's talk extension. We this is the future of our linebacker room. This guy can do everything. And then there's this side of hey, he missed 6 games. He was inconsistent when he was out there. Still didn't get any big plays out of him. He's going into year 4 second round pick, no new contract. And you're like, I just don't maybe he's not a, he's not a real core part of this thing in the future. So, uh I think that he is I actually like that we said both sides of this because his there's it feels like there's no middle ground for him. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's like a world where he can just be average. Like he can't just be Sioni yeah. Taki Taki or somebody like that. Um it, real quick question for you. Where are you at with linebacker contracts? Because I think I'm more on the side of I, I I just I think a good linebacker is nice to have on your on your on its rookie deal, but I think once you start paying a linebacker, I just don't think it, it benefits defense enough um, at this point to to justify some of the money that you see going there. Like I look yeah, at a- I look at the Ravens defense, and I'm like, did they get better with Roquan? Sure, I don't know if they got that much better to justify his deal.
1: I, I'm a fan of uh, team friendly mm. linebacker contracts. So to your point, I don't want to pay those guys a ton. So is there some sort of team friendly structure with JOK? I guess this is going to sound stupid but like is JOK having an unbelievable season a good outcome? Because then you do have to pay. It's almost like it's like a running back scenario where it's like, "Oh man, we really love Nick Chubb, but we also have to pay Nick Chubb stupid money, right?" And it's like these positions don't have this gigantic uh you know, if you're paying them a large chunk of your cap, they don't really contribute that much to the winning outcome. You know what I mean? They're mm-hmm. not they're not contributing that much to it. So it would it would really put them in a predicament uh there a little bit with paying that position
2: yeah cuz it's interesting cuz I'm high on JOK but I'm also low on the ability of him to get like a long term deal here like i just i don't think anything he does he'll be able to get that long term deal here um because i just don't think that they're going to pay a linebacker that much money or they're going to be interested in extending them. Like maybe if it's a team-friendly thing, I, I could see it. And even with franchise tagging, I don't even think that because they have too many priorities when it comes to the roster. So hey, I think he's just one of the more interesting or if that position is one of the more interesting ones to keep an eye on because that's another one where I think the perceptions are, are changing on it as far as the trends that uh, NFL GMs have been looking at with that position.
1: No doubt. It's going to be a hot-button topic, especially if he starts the season out really well. They like to do those early extensions and stuff. So Uh, we'll be paying close attention to it this is Quincy Carrier make sure you're following all of his YouTube stuff which is great not just limited to the Browns he gets around the AFC North does some basketball stuff as well so check out his work for Quincy for me we appreciate your time checking out the OBR film breakdown uh, I will be on Quincy's YouTube channel as well, so check that out. Uh, coming up, I'm sure in the in the immediate future here. Uh, like I said, guys, thanks for stopping by on this Tuesday. Apologies for this being a little bit tardy, but you know how it is, life and all of the above. So, uh, like I said, check uh, check back in with Andrew Spade tomorrow as we go around the NFC and look at some of the other competition out there. We appreciate you being here. Have a great day, go Browns!